Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Tip to Tail. This podcast is brought to you by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only dedicated crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. My name is Bridget. And I'm Sydney. Here on From Tip to Tail, we are bringing you raw, unscripted stories from animal welfare leaders. Together, we'll dive into the work that they do, the struggles they face, and the lives that are saved along the way. Today, we're speaking to Lauren Anton and Mackenzie Smith from Saving Hope Animal Rescue. They give a second chance to animals in need in the Fort Worth area. They also focus on educating their communities and providing families with the tools that they need to take care of their animals responsibly. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Mackenzie. How are you today? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having us. I mean, we're so honored that you could join us, um, especially, I mean, how hot is it right now in Texas? Because I know in California, <laughs> oh it is gosh. so hot. hot. <laughs> yeah, one. We don't, I don't want to go outside. We're trying to stay indoors <laughs> as much as possible. The dogs even don't want anything to, to do with the outdoors right now. Oh my I don't blame them. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, yeah, no, thank you for taking the time to do this. I know there are, I mean, I know you have three puppies on your floor right now and <laughs> a couple downstairs um, and you're, you're balancing a bunch of other things going on. So we'll basically get um, right into it. So how did you both get into rescue? That is, that's a great question. Um, I will let Lauren tell her side of that first because hers is a little bit more interesting to, um, to be honest. I, I know first I fostered for a program called Love on Wheels, I think with Irving Animal Shelter. And I sent my first foster up to New York and I cried for days because they wouldn't answer the phone and they wouldn't tell me where the dog was. So it was very stressful, but each one got easier. And then I have a friend that her mother started the Saving Hope Foundation in Fort Worth. And I said I wanted to be involved and I wanted to be on the board. And slowly it just morphed into a huge organization and to where they were doing, we were on the foundation side, we were doing a spay and neuter program that for three years is 6.7 million and it's fixed everyone free for free in Fort Worth. So then they came to me and said, okay, will you do another 501 for the rescue? Because it's totally, they run totally differently. The rescue, you know, is immediate need, medical needs. And Mm -hmm. what I found out is that the rescue is giving more validity to the problem. And so, because people don't want to hear about spay and neuter, they want to feel it and see that they're making a difference. So it's kind of like educating about animal welfare, but through the back door, rather than, you know, it's, you know, incessantly telling people, spay and neuter, vaccinate. Mm-hmm. This is more, we're educating with each adoption, each rescue. Um, and we've adopted over 730 in 2020. And we have about a, over 100 in our rescue right now. We try to not say no, but it's very difficult. And last year we adopted almost, I think it was it was less than 500. 500 I think it was like 486 was our number last year in 2019. And so, medical cost over $435,000. Uh, oh, wow. For the year. Yes. Um, and kind of going off a little bit, what Lauren was saying about the foundation was the foundation started... Um, eight, nine years ago? Eight or nine years ago. And there was no... The rescue wasn't even an idea then. 
So when Lauren was got involved on the board, then she kind of saw pretty organically, wow, what a problem we have in, in our own city of Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Texas, I'm sure y'all know, is it's a whole nother type of, of rescue world down mm-hmm. here. It's just streets and everywhere. Dogs are, it's crazy. There's a lot of dogs that need help. So you're kind of blinded to it. Um, until you get involved. So when Lauren got involved on the board, then she kind of realized... Well, we would meet the city. And so they were telling us all these things that I had no idea. And so then I think I fostered a dog from that. And And that's literally how the Saving Hope Rescue started with Lauren bringing home a dog one day from like a board meeting up at the city shelter. And the rescue coordinator, Ginger, up there, I think she said to Lauren, we have this cute little dog that needs to foster. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And Lauren was like, well, I don't know why I couldn't take it in. And mm-hmm. that was thousands of dogs ago. I mean, they have had thousands of dogs come through this house. And it all started with Lauren just like standing there being like, I mean, I don't see why, why not? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see now what they've got. I mean, she had three girls or teenaged and they're all involved. They help when we pull new dogs and bring them here before they go to foster's all the girls help and stuff. Um, so they kind of already have their foot in the door and kind of see it firsthand. But my rescue story, how I got involved, sort of similar to Lauren, just like you didn't realize the problem until you see it. And then you're like, well, I've got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I adopted a dog. I went to school down in Austin. I adopted a dog from a shelter up there, which is Austin Animal Center. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it's a great shelter. And it's very, very different from the Fort Worth City Shelter Um in terms of everything, funding, a number of animals, community involvement, just just really everything. It's a different breed of shelter. So when I moved home when my boyfriend and I started dating, he obviously was so jealous of the bond that my dog and I had. And he <laughs> and he ha- insisted he get his own. So we went shelter shopping one day and we went to like four or five different shelters and just nobody really taught, like strung at his, pulled at his heartstrings until we went to that Fort Worth city shelter and we spent an hour at least. And it was just, I mean, him more than me, cause I don't know. It was bad. We walked up and down those kennels just Mm. crying. I mean, he had these big alligator tears streaming down his face. And yeah, and it's, it's so loud. It's so incredible. It's almost, it's incredibly overwhelming too. Mm -hmm. I can't Um, go anymore. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's crazy. So to me, when I had, I had adopted my dog April from Austin Animal Center and it was a total, well, I had fostered her, quote, here we are. It was like such a great experience. And then when I saw how, and I grew up in Fort Worth, Fort Worth is like my city. So when I saw what we were offering, when you say, well, come adopt a dog. And I would tell my friends, go adopt a dog. And then that was where I was sending them. And I saw firsthand, I was like, well, this just is not okay. Mm-hmm. And the number of dogs that were there, um, the euthanasia rates, thankfully, in the city of Fort Worth have gone down tremendously in the past three years alone. But there was a few summers ago uh, where they were euthanizing up to 50 dogs a day. Um, and that was simply because of space. There was no there was no space. Um, and, you know, everyone has an idea of what to do, but nobody actually wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Saving Hope, we really try to educate the community and implement actually like great ideas that are possible and doable. Um, so the spay neuter we can do really easily on the back end of things. But like Lauren said, nobody wants to hear about it. You can tell all day long to your blue in the face, spay neuter your pets. But ultimately it's not going to happen in those lower income communities 
So we're actually going in there. We have, we, um, foundation, um, funded something called the hope mobile and it's a mobile truck that does vaccines and it doesn't do spay neuters yet, but they can transport to, um, a spay neuter network is what it's called a clinic that we helped fund or the foundation helped fund to get those surgeries and vaccines for those lower income communities. So they don't actually have to leave at all. They can stay in their neighborhood and go down the street to the gas station and see that Hope Mobile, um, get a pamphlet, read a little bit about it and send their dogs on the truck um, and you know go pick them up later. And it's as simple as that. Um, so we're trying really hard to do those sort of community outreach type things um, to educate people that won't necessarily be at our adoption events when we are able to do them when COVID is finally said and done. And, you know, people that don't probably follow us on Facebook or or that we would not normally interact with on a day-to-day, we've been, we've had some great success. Puppy parties too and educate, going into the schools. We've tried to do as much as that. That's really fun. We, yeah, yeah, we do a lot of that type of thing. Um, For people that are more educated, I guess I'll say though. So with those types of things, it's so much fun because we get to go uh, one of the other, the other volunteers and I went to what was it third third grade not too yeah. long ago before school was I out. think me and Bridget were reading about this too your puppy parties and we were like oh my god we have to talk about oh my this gosh. <laughs> I was so, so, so pumped funny. about it yeah we did one this weekend oh yeah we've got a wedding coming up too um, amazing we're oh instead god. the bride she's a big she's a rescuer they're mobile nurses or travel nurses not mobile nurses so her and her soon-to-be husband coming up this month um, rented an RV. They're actually from California, and they're in Texas right now. They have family here, so they're going to get married in um, one of a family member's backyard. And instead of bouquets, you know, um, flowers, they want their bridesmaids and groomsmen to escort rescue dogs down the aisle. Um, and so we're going to go there um, coming up here at the end of June. And I'm, I'm so excited. What a um, great wedding. I want to be invited to that wedding. I, I, was, right? I was like, can I stay a little bit? Yeah. Right? And like cake and awesome. puppies and watching someone get married. Ugh. And the puppy parties have been, we did one last week, even through COVID. And she, I was like, she's going to cancel, right? I couldn't even find the people. I had to pay someone to do it because I couldn't find anyone to do it because it was in Crisco, which is an hour away. And it, it doesn't sound like a lot of work, but puppies parties are a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And especially if they're an hour away, but it really does teach the kids and the kids love it. And they get lots of donations, mainly, uh, not monetary. It's mainly, uh, well, the cute thing like about this puppy party, it was a little girl named Meadow. She was turning six, I believe, maybe seven, six or seven. And in lieu of gifts, her mom, her mom asked that they do donations for Saving Hope Rescue. So oh, um, sweet so Meadow, sweet. all of her gifts and her, you know, her family and friends were so cute because they all, they made cute baskets for them and they all had little notes and everything. Some of her friends drew pictures of dogs and, and just adorable little things. And that was her part. That was, you know, her gifts. And then we supplied some party favors, just little dogs and some cute sweaters and some little saving hopes stuff here and there. But, um, it, it educates the kids from, mm-hmm. uh, what was she, five or six or six or seven, from such a young age that, well, here, and then they got to see the puppies and play with them. And, you know, parents could say, these are who you're helping. And it, also it's just really happening. cool. Yeah, I feel what a like great way to the, educate, too. Well, on these kids, it's amazing. But I never really, growing up, was taught to give back. And I feel like this generation, I have really a lot of hope for this, you know, these upcoming, they are really 
giving and I mean, not all of them, but we majority, had it's a amazing. lemonade stand. A little girl in the neighborhood did a lemonade stand for Saving Home not too long ago. She's mm-hmm. um, Sweet Georgia. She's in maybe fourth grade and she raised over $300 um, just in her front yard. And I think she got some donations too, just selling lemonade and cookies for Saving Hope. See, um, a, all these kids are so ahead of their time because I feel like when I was four, you're right, when I was four or five or, you know, even like six or seven, you know, I wasn't. I was looking under rocks for worms. I oh, did I not have any idea. I will say Mackenzie's way ahead of her time. I feel like I, I wasn't doing this at 24. No. But um, also one other thing, like, for example, the Girl Scouts asked us to go speak when, that was last year. And what had happened, this is amazing and crazy, is we had, they, her parents were divorced. We're going through, she was going through a lot. They live like in Monticello area. And the husband said, I guess he was put notes everywhere. We end up finding this dog. It ends up being theirs. And I mean, she is hysterical and he is like, oh my gosh, because he was like, I, I, she can't like go on without this dog. And so we ended up finding her and, um, and that, but then they called us and said, will you be the charity? And so we went and took hope and, um, took puppies to all the Girl Scout, you know, the mm-hmm. kids. And then they gave us the check from the cookies selling the cookies. Oh, that's so amazing. I mean, that just makes me feel like all these kids in Texas are like doing the right thing. I, I guess it's like, they're, they're, I'm sure it's other states as well, but my gosh, you guys are raising your kids right. For <laughs> sure. It, it definitely does. Like you said, it gives you a lot of hope because people, the animal welfare down here is a different, it's a different type of thing. So mm-hmm. when you kind of see the kids, not only see it already, but they're like working to make a difference at such a young age. You're like, okay, well I can maybe one day kick my feet up and relax a little bit. Not anytime soon, but maybe one day. Right. And I mean, even teaching them to be like that thoughtful of like, okay, you could get presents or you could change these animals' lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Just on like on a purely totally self-involved note, like I would love a puppy party just because it sounds like fun. I was telling Sydney, I'm like, as a kid, I know like we were competitive with our birthday parties on like the creative elements to it. So like that would be like something like no one else has a pile of puppies at their birthday. Well, it's funny. We did right before COVID, we had a girl reach out and said, can we do a happy hour for our workers, our coworkers? And Mm. which was such a great idea. We've had that, we've had that asked a lot, um, but we were just starting to get into it all before COVID happened. But um, one thing that was amazing before COVID is our daughter, my daughter's school reached out the soccer coach and he said, we want to do something with Saving Hope to help. And I said, these are the options. You can do an event. You can volunteer to walk dogs. You can volunteer. And then finally I said, well, my favorite thing, it's kind of out of the, it's out of the box, so to say, but um, my favorite thing for my kids to do is to actually go to the shelter and pick out dogs to save. And we've saved up to 30 on one day, depending on the backing we have. And so the soccer team, we got t-shirts for them and we all, they took their bus to the shelter, we met them. We had prearranged some and then added a few. We ended up saving 18 that day. And then we asked for a groomer to stay open and we drove there. We taught them how to tag the dog, put their name tag, wash the dog. They were washing like 14-year-old dogs. And it, these are boys. It was a boys team, varsity. And it was 
amazing seeing them getting like dirty and um, actually, you know, really caring about these dogs. And the, the head coach was like sobbing. It was just really it was amazing. really, really touching. It, that was actually probably one of like my favorite things that we've done because we took the boys into the shelter and we started at intake. Um, so I told them, I said, so nine, not, not nine times at a time, but a lot of the times animals brought in our owner surrenders. So I was showing them the dogs and I said uh, that, that thankfully intake was closed at that time. Or there was no dogs in there, but you know, I kind of explained to them a scenario of what would happen. And I say, and this is when someone walks in and they hand, oh, you know, about the, the, the dog. Tell them about the one we took. <laughs> the, the, I'm the, going the kids. to. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Uh, this is, it was really sweet. Um, I said, you know, and he hands our kennel tech the dog and he says, this is Sam. I've had Sam for 15 years and I just don't want to do it anymore. And these boys kind of laughed and I just looked at them with a straight face and I was like, no, what? And they were like, that doesn't happen. And I was like, that's exactly what happens. And they totally didn't believe me. And we kept going through our thing and we got to the back of the kennel and then we saw, I don't remember the dog's name. Bruno. Bruno. Uh, he was, I think he was about. Oh, no, he was, they were standing. And you know what they said? He's too big and old. We're here to get a puppy. Boy. And they gave him a puppy. Us, and these boys were, they truly were crying. And they said, Mackenzie, those people, they came to, to drop off their dog. And, and they're going back. They want a puppy. They can't do that. And I just like looked at him and, you know, it sucks. And I was like, they can. Like state, Texas state laws, they absolutely can. There's nothing we can do about it. And they looked at me and they like, they wanted to shake me. I could, I could see it in their eyes. And they were like, no, you're not understanding us. They just dropped off that dog. They've had him his whole life. And now they want to get a smaller puppy dog. Like they're, they're doing mm-hmm. this. And I was like, yes, this is Texas. This is how it works. And they, these high school boys were just, they were truly crying in the parking lot. And they're like, well, can we go get that dog? They left. <laughs> we were like, yes, oh. go get him. And we get it. I bring it to my house. It's like a bull in a china shop. And I yeah. understood. It was like well, 100 he was pounds. Like 100, yeah, he was like a 100 pound dog. So you get it. But it's a different thing when you've had this dog since he was, they had, they, I mean, they told the story about him and they, they wrote a little bit about him and there was no emotion in, in his little buyer. And it, it was just, it was really sad, but it was awesome. I, I hate to say it. It was, it was kismet. It was really was serendipity that it happened the way it did because the, they got to see it firsthand when they totally did not believe me. When we walked into the shelter, I said, this happens every day. And they, one ear out the other, not even one ear out the other, they heard it and they laughed about it. And we're like, that doesn't happen. And then just as we were leaving, they were loading up on the bus. They were like, what are they doing with that big dog? It was, it was incredible. And they took him home when one of the boys was like, oh, we really want to foster him. He was convincing his mom so much. There, a lot of the boys' family started fostering from there because they went home and I think they probably talked their parents' ears off for the rest of the week. <laughs> and are, are, you guys, are you guys, a, you guys are a foster-based organization, right? Or do you guys yes. have a facility? We do we not. Do well, not. my garage <laughs> yes. has kind of turned into one. I have a shed. We're, we like we're actually, it's amazing. <laughs> we're shipping the pets now. And what's amazing, we were paying up to $60 for a microchip. And now we're paying seven. A single microchip oh, for wow. one dog, even a puppy that's like, I mean, a, a ba- even a tiny mm-hmm. baby puppy microchip. And, the, and you know, there's different things. We've, we've really had to try to take a step back and reevaluate and look at medical expenses, all expenses um, and where we can cut back. And we have, uh, we were all, Lauren and I and a few others, we, uh, we took a little class to learn about vaccinations and we were taught how to do vaccinations at home, how to 
um, administer them properly, how to keep them stored properly, mm-hmm. um, exactly how it needs to be done. So obviously we're not vets or anything, so we can't do rabies, but we can do distemper parvo, lepto, and bordetella vaccines, as well as microchips in our homes now. And that not only helps, like Lauren was saying, money-wise, but time-wise, I can't mm-hmm. even begin to say, like right now, um, I've got a litter of puppies. I have a boxer, Jasmine. Y'all helped us with Jasmine. Um, <laughs> my sweet Jazzy girl, she had 10 puppies, if y'all remember. Mm-hmm. We thought she, she was maybe going to have three or four and sweet girl popped out 10. Um, wow. So they're just about a month now, but um, in about two weeks, we'll do their vaccinations and that saves me so much time and trouble from having to, and for them too, so that we can just do it at home and they're relaxed, they're calm. Mom's right there. We don't have mm-hmm. to load them up and drive them across town. Um, well, so it helps. probably with COVID going on too, because I know oh, yeah. a Hours. bunch of vets have been, you know, their wait times have been longer because you can't go in. Um, and you can't get out of your car, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like they take the dogs. at home saves a bunch of time. It's been, it's been a really big blessing. Um, and for the animals too, just because the environment, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot of dogs um, when they're not vaccinated like that, they, they actually get sick going to bed. And that's, you know, every case oh, is yeah. different. Mm-hmm. But when you're taking an unvaccinated dog into an office or, you know, anywhere that has been exposed to disease, there's always a higher risk that they could get sick there. So this sort of eliminates that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been wonderful. Definitely. I mean, my gosh, it sounds like you are doing so many creative endeavors here. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. So wait, so how long have you guys been saving hope then? How many? The foundation started nine years ago based on a dog that was, the mouth was duct taped shut and it stabbed and left on oh. this friend's mother's ranch. So the police department was involved and all of that. It was so they started. She had her mouth duct taped and she had been shot with a pellet gun multiple times. And that was about nine years ago. But the, when we then we started rescuing probably four or five years ago. But we started our you know our own five hundred one. It's been two years, and mainly we did it just because of growth and a foundation. They do. I mean, I'm on the board of the foundation, mm-hmm. but I'm the director and founder of the rescue, and they do guarantee you know a certain amount per year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we raised, I would say, ninety percent of it what they give, it's not even a, it, it can't even afford foster supplies. It's barely, I mean, usually Aww. it's not even a full vet bill. Yeah. Well, right. actually, I did want to ask, um, so um, animal that you were talking about, that, that animal's name was Hope, right? That's what, that was yes. what influenced the name. Is she, um, I think I was reading that you guys took her in uh, and, and I think one of y'all adopted her or? The or founder she- of the foundation. Mm-hmm. So the Mon Creek and she's family. still alive. I, she's getting probably a little older, but she's doing well. And that she oh, goes wow. to schools and events, you know, just um, really she's sweet. A she's like celebrity. a pug. pug I know, what an amazing legacy <laughs> that she left. I mean, ain't terrible what had to happen to her, but I mean, look at all the good that's, you know, come out of her story. And, and Well, she wandered onto the that. right ranch. I can yeah, tell you that she definitely sure. got the right ranch. Because mm-hmm. they saw her. And I think from there, Kit Mon Creek was like, not only she's, did she say, I'm going to give this dog the best, the best life possible, but she was going to make, do everything in her power to make sure that other dogs didn't other have dogs to get didn't through what she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then she started the foundation in order to just give grant money and help fund other rescue organizations. Mm-hmm. And then little, little Lauren stepped in. And said, <laughs> I, I didn't think <laughs> and it was the rescue. Yeah. <laughs> Big. I, 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 yeah, I don't think she 
ever imagined it would be that big too. A lot of the board members are her friends. And I think that what happened was people were donating money to help find who did it. You know, they were putting up rewards. And so then they were like, okay, we don't need this money. What do we do with it? Not to say there's just a plethora of money, but uh, they definitely, you know, did. I mean, they weren't going to deposit it, I guess. Mm -hmm. We could use some reward money now. I know. (laughs) I know you guys have been taking in so many animals. Has that, I always want to say if COVID influences anything, but I mean, are you finding... Um, absolutely there are more animals to rescue like nowadays or there was a few different things that covid did um to kind of impact um the number of animals that we subsequently had to take in or not mm-hmm. had to but did take in shelters for starters shelters were closing like rural shelters being you know we're fort worth we're the what 16 17 largest city in the nation but right mm-hmm. on the outskirts of us we have some smaller towns um one of my favorite shelters is the weatherford animal shelter um, and mm-hmm. they are one of the smaller shelters, so they just don't have the capacity to house six, seven hundred dogs like Fort Worth does. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were really nervous. Not, you know, obviously they were. They didn't know what to do because anxious, they were going to yeah, have to. Yeah, course. anxious. Thank okay, you. so right now, this is the text I get. Mm-hmm. Call me immediately. She said, "The sixteen-day-old Yorkie Shih Tzu owner said is not eating. It's just poop. Let me know if you can come right now, ASAP." No, I know it doesn't. It does mm-hmm. not. It's crazy. Um, I, I interrupted. I'm so no, out of I mean, no, that, ha- that happens. That's rescue. <laughs> That's rescue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were sitting here doing something and somebody needs yeah. help. So what a weather shelter. Um, they were worried because they were going to have to close their doors because they take in, you know, owner surrenders. And I found this dog on a daily basis and they didn't have the room for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they reached out for help and we went in there over the course of three days and I think pulled like 40 some dogs to try to free up room because, you know, mm-hmm. they, they are going to, and the, all the staff that works at Weatherford too, there's, they're like great people. They're like, well, we're never going to like turn away a dog, you know? Yeah, so know, if people exactly. were going to still come, they were trying to deter people from coming, but if you mm-hmm. were still going to come, they were still going to help. Yeah, um, of course. I mean, the world might be on hold, but rescue work, that never rescue, ends. Yeah, it, it unfortunately can't be. So we had um, shelters directly asking us for help. And not only like, hey, can you help? But sending us the faces of the dogs that needed help and the videos of them loving life in the yards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, guys. <laughs> um, and kind of going off of that, the shelters being closed, there was um, an increase in dumped dogs, quote, strays, which they weren't strays. You know, it was dogs that were perfectly groomed and perfectly taken care of or um, overweight even that Mm -hmm. were just found on the street um, or found in a field somewhere. So we had a lot, a lot. It was bad. I don't know. This is kitten season right now. We don't do, mm-hmm. we do have a cat department, Lauren, and I don't work on it. Um, but I guess kitten season went into puppy season too, because there were so many moms and puppies that were found. Um, and then sick. And that'll yeah, throw your whole, too. you can think you have a cushion of 15,000 and it's gone in two days. Mm-hmm. But the not even two days, just, just two, deposited is, two different beds. Oh, yeah. Um, awful. We, we kind of joke that the, the core group of us admins, we, I mean, I literally, we, I mean, we joked, I was like, somebody's going to jinx something and we're going to really get, it's not going to be nice. Cause we were, we, we kind of took a breath for a second. We were like, Wow dogs are all placed. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. We have a little bit of a blanket here. Good job, girls. We kind of patted ourselves on the backs and gave ourselves a high five. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, 
what did we just do? What? <laughs> so Why did we? Yeah. And then I think like the next day we got some like test results back and call after call after call. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, we were way in the hole, still are. I mean, you know, it was just, there was a day that we were like, good job. And that, that day did not last long. Well, so you have so many animals in your care. I mean, and for only being two years old, dear God, the impact you're making, that's incredible. incredible. <laughs> how My favorite thing, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I was just going to ask, I mean, I guess how, I mean, how, how many people <laughs> like, are involved there um, to make that possible? We are really fortunate to have a really strong group of fosters. Um, and then we have some, you know, floater fosters that'll come help us out from time to time, that type of thing. But what I will say is Lauren and I's homes are mm. dog houses. Hey, um, <laughs> they are everywhere. They're not, um, I know I have to just apologize. They're not regular houses. <laughs> we, like she said earlier, and I mean, it's true. We try not to say no, like this dog that mm-hmm. the rescue coordinator, the text message text message she just got was from the rescue coordinator up at the Fort Worth shelter. And she's, I mean, she of course just said yes in two seconds. So now that dog will be coming back to Lauren's house. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in well, the problem is it's only 16 days old. Whatever daughters are here to help and then try to find a foster for it. Well, and also we try to find a mom that's nursing, which isn't the easiest. Although I do, mm-hmm. I do have one in my garage room, but I don't know if she'll take to it. You know, I don't know. She's kind of mean. I think that's so unique though. It, it, I, I almost feel like it, it almost makes your work that much more personal and, and like, you know, like you're the really one physically taking in these pets. Um, you know, they're living actually in your home and, and you're caring for them alongside your children and your family. And um, we're very invested. It makes things a lot, um, more emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, uh, just the emotions in it, you get a lot more attached. There's a few dogs that, um, like Lauren, yesterday, I think it was, she adopted out a puppy that we laughed at her. We, I said, I didn't think you were going to let that puppy go. She had him. He was sick at the beginning of his life. You know, when they have a sad thing, when they're sick or something, it always mm-hmm. makes it 10 times harder. Right. You get that more. Than, that. Yeah. You're like, no, you're like, mm-hmm. baby. Um, and he left. Newt was his name. He got adopted yesterday. But he was here for a while because... no applicant, no other applicant before this one was good enough. You know, you can find a reason to nitpick everything because you're like, no, it's it's, right. Because you love love them so much. You want the best Um, for them. So I try to personally move my dogs out of my house as fast as I can so that I don't get attached because my boyfriend's just as bad as me. If a dog's there for like two (laughs) days, he's like, you're home now. (laughs) Right? You're mine. (laughs) Yeah. Being foster-based, it does give us that ability to get to know the dog so much better. It helps tremendously with their recovery process because most of the dogs we, not most, but a lot of the dogs we pull do have medical issues mm-hmm. or something. So it, it really helps when there's not only a person, but usually a family that's there to look in at the dog and say, oh, well, his nose is a little bit runny. His stools were a little bit, started. they mm-hmm. were solid. You know, when you have an entire, you know, pack, I guess, looking out for the animal, it really helps. It just helps tremendously mm-hmm. um, in every aspect of it all. I mean, their healing, the fostering, finding a good home, us getting to know them. Well, and I, I wanted to ask, because just from having worked with you guys, you know, you don't limit those that you help. I mean, I've seen you guys taking puppies and orthopedic cases and skin cases. Um, but I wanted to ask, is there is there one in particular that you see more in Fort Worth? Like, is there, um, I guess, is there like a, a pattern of, of a, a certain medical need or a neglect that you see more often? 
Heartworm positive dogs for sure. Heartworm positive. Heartworm positive and moms and puppies. And then not spayed or neutered at the shelter. So then we have to pay for that. And that's Mm -hmm. something that people don't realize. It's expensive, you know, just to take them. And And there's a lot of um, egg, I mean, I don't want to say um, upper respiratory too. Yeah. It's real common. People Mm -hmm. don't understand that heartworms are transmitted through mosquitoes, which in the South mosquitoes are rampant. You're never going to get away from them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So your dogs have to be on heartworm prevention if you live down here. It's just it's almost a given. If they're not, they're going to get heartworms. I mean, mm-hmm. their chances are just, you're, you're playing with fire and people don't get that. Even, I mean, we, we try to educate. I mean, education starts at home as y'all know, uh, but like mm-hmm. our fosters, they're like, oh, well, like first time fosters, when we say this is a heartworm positive dog, here's what like his treatment and recovery looks like. Are you mm-hmm. up for it? Um, what I have found- long too. It, it can be, uh, it just depends on the dog. But a question that people ask is, oh, well, are my dogs going to get heartworms because this dog has heartworms? And uh, always the answer is no, they're not transmittable through mm-hmm. dogs. It's from a mosquito gives it to a dog. But that just goes to show you that even like smart people that live, you know, educated lives, they don't know any better. And it just kind of talks about even like vet care, like that the vets mm-hmm. aren't, that they don't know that from their veterinarians, that you can't get it from your dog. You can't give it to another dog. The only way you can get it is from a mosquito and they have to be on that prevention. And there's mm-hmm. like Trifexis. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. brands. They do, it's heartworm prevention, intestinal worms. So, you know, hook rooms, wing rooms, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And flea intake prevention. If you give your dog Trifexis, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And that's just like basic dog stuff, you know, like they're, they're bound to get some worms every now and then and flea is going to jump on them from time to exactly. time. So it's just, I don't know. It's just been really interesting to see what people know and what they kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I know like when I started in, into this rescue world, I mean, it was so shocking to me that that heartworm is so preventable. And then you actually see like dogs die of it. And it's, it's one of those things where you're just like, you could have popped that pill and this dog would have not died. Hmm. And it's like such a, I mean, for me, I've, I've seen some graphic images that I would, Mm -hmm. I probably could have lived a while longer without. without. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but so I think that's that's an amazing thing too. And even like your your low cost um, spay neuter. I mean, I know you said you've talked about it to your blue in the face and it's boring. <laughs> um, but even people I know on our team, it's still a little bit surprising because people will take in a new animal and, and they'll think, well, they'll just be following their heart basically. And they don't think about the little details that go along with it. But it's like, there are those resources out there where mm-hmm. you can get these animals spayed and neutered. And it's not going to cost you so much that you're like, and that's that's why I had hardship this month or something right. like that. There are those right. resources out there. And it's like, especially like with your with your truck. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing that you're doing. You're just like, no, please let us help you. We we're here for you. And really it's going to make your, make sure that your pet is healthier. You're going to make sure there are less, um, unneeded euthanasia, uh, mm-hmm. situations. Um, so really it solves so many more problems, I think, than people realize. And there are so many resources out there. The resources, I think that'll be like the number one thing, um, to, to just help overall, like our goal to ultimately reduce euthanasia and the like overpopulation of homeless pets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just kind of, I mean, to be quite honest, shoving it down people's throats that it, there is an overpopulation problem and here's how you fix it. 
I think that is ultimately my goal mm-hmm. um, to like, if I have friends of mine, um, great friends that, you know, they're dog owners and she reached out, texted me not, not too long ago. And she said, geez, I just, you know, left the vet with um, my dog and please tell me I can get her fixed somewhere for less than $500. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely. Here's a few links to some places. Here's that. Um, but it's just, it's just not knowing, you know, just people not knowing any better. Right. So I think the more we can have open, candid conversations about it, um, the, the better it's going to do for everyone in the long run. And we work with, I'm really, I'm really grateful that we do too, that we're able to a lot of other really good rescues and, Fort Worth area. I, I think you'll, you'll work with a few of them, um, like Cody's friends mm-hmm. and Ali's Haven. Um, we, we, we like, we enjoy like partnering with everybody and Apollo. We love Apollo. They, we, we share, you know, resources and just common knowledge of what's going on within our rescues. And it just kind of, we can all, we're all better educated on the inside and we can use that going forward, um, to help everybody in, you know, our communities when Mm -hmm. we're all on the same page. Um, and it's all just talking. We've learned a lot and we've helped a lot. We've had a lot of help, thankfully that we're fortunate for through just like talking with like our other rescue friends and partners. Um, and it's just starting the conversations. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you have such a great network there and it's not just like rescue specific too, or there's not like any of this, like demonizing, like some of these shelters. It's like, mm-hmm. you've, you've got, I mean, they've got your, te- your cell phone number there. So, so that <laughs> when something does happen there, they can shoot you a text and say, Hey, can you help? It makes, makes everything run a little bit more smoothly and saves more lives. And it is an incredible thing that you guys are doing. I mean, my gosh, you are doing so much. And especially f- for being around for, two, I mean, granted you had the foundation, but being around for two years, we, we see so many smaller organizations that are still kind of getting their footing there. For these puppy parties, since you you're are, like, let's go back to the puppy party. Well, I'm, I'm wondering too, like how doable, I mean, granted, of course, when everything opens up again, but how doable this is for other animal rescue groups. I mean, it sounds like you, there's been a bit of a learning curve for you. So I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for other rescues like around the nation, basically, of like, how doable is this? I mean, it sounds like it it has the chance to like, not only be an educational tool, but off, but maybe like a, a resource for a little bit of like yes, revenue well, and donations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is, I mean, honestly, it's as easy as, as it's, it's easy as pie, really. I know that sounds so cheesy, but if you have volunteers or, um, anybody that can help, you know, and if you've got a litter of puppies, what we did, I think the first thing we did was we just, we put it as a tab on the website and we said, well, we can do this. Um, a friend, um, a friend of Lauren's, she was the first one that kind of just suggested it through together. She was having a birthday party for one of her daughters and said, can y'all just bring a few of the puppies by? You know, the kids would love to see them. And we were available and had a litter of puppies. So we said, yeah, that's so much fun. Let's go do it. And it was awesome. And her, you know, her friend was like, oh, well, I'd love to make this donation to your, to the rescue. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, it kind of happened pretty organically. We were like, well, wow, this was a great two, three hours spent. Um, we got a couple hundred dollars. The kids had a great time. The puppies were socialized around kids. So this is a win for us. So we just turned around and, and put it on the website, like, Hey, we can do this. Um, and people started, people seem to like it. Um, and we have, 
you know, we just, we ask for a donation. Um, it just depends on the, the length of time where the, where the party is. Cause we're all volunteers as y'all know. So we don't want to ask our volunteers to drive, you know, across state lines to go do this puppy potty. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just ask for a donation. Um, and that's really it. We bring the puppies for however much amount of time we typically have, um, a, a few little party favors. Um, we always bring a puppy pen so they can have a little break, um, some towels, blankets, you know, water bowls, um, little toys, um, depending on how big the puppies are. It's, I mean, it's super easy and it's so fun. The kids love it. There's really nothing to it. You just pack the puppies up, put their pen, set up their pen and have fun. <laughs> we always take some material as well, you know, about the rescue brochures, um, just so people can, can know a little bit about us. And usually the puppies are up for adoption too. So we've actually had a few people adopt from the adopt puppies that they met at a potty. Um, and that was super, super cute and sweet to see. Yeah, I think that must be the most dangerous part is, is now you have all these little kids like looking with looking up with big puppy eyes of their own right. at their parents. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. When I was little, I remember my I went with my mom to pick my brother up from a birthday party at like some stables here in Fort Worth. And it wasn't a puppy potty, but some lady was there with her dogs. And it just kind of shows you like now I would like, I would never do this. I would never buy a dog from a lady in a stable. But when I was like, I think I was probably six at the time and I was just begging my mom to get this dog for me and she did. And it was just coming home from that party. So now I'm like looking at it and I'm like, people are actually coming to parties where they know that these dogs are, these parents are, are crazy for actually going through with it. They are going to come <laughs> home with animals. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard enough to resist as an adult. So, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you guys are doing so, so much. It's, this is so wildly impressive. But do you have, are there other jobs you guys do or, or is this your main focus? Both Lauren and I, this is our main focus. I mean, she, she's a mom too. So don't, don't like, that is first and foremost mm-hmm. her job. She has three teenage daughters. Um, Abigail, actually, congratulations, just graduated from high school um, oh, a few well. days ago. So exciting. Um, it, it really it was really exciting. Um, she, you know, that's her first priority. But like I was kind of saying, the saving, I mean, her house, like if you pull up to her house, that you, you, you know, you're like, you, this is saving help. So it's, it's very much like almost a lifestyle I have probably 25 dogs in my house and that's not including Jasmine's puppies. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, we, it keeps us busy. Um, I really don't have, have much time to do anything else. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I used to know this is what we do. This is what we do. I mean, it sounds like too, like just between the two of you, that's probably how you're able to save as many animals as you are. Right. I mean, my gosh. It we d- make a lot of jokes that we're like, we're just the second and third city shelter. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Oh my gosh. Except for the dogs are crawling up into your bed. <laughs> your house. We're <laughs> <laughs> like walking, stepping over Great Danes and Pomeranians to get to the, the litter bowls. Yeah, it's so funny. Well, so we do have a couple little fun questions. Um, I know you have so both of you. Are, I mean, do you have personal so pets as well as are all those dogs in your house adoptable? Or 
So I have, yes, we all have, I think she has seven and I have seven too. Um, well, I have seven and a fourth. I, I kept one from a hoarding situation that he, we pretend he doesn't count because we said we're not adopting any more dogs. And then <laughs> We were like, okay, well, you don't really count. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Sydney about that rule. Otherwise, she's going to Cameron, I mean, it's it's great because all of our fosters and stuff. And, and we're, we both are in it. Cameron's my boyfriend. Um, we, we live together. And he is just as crazy about it. Like, he is more like, he's just as saving hope, crazy as I am, and dog rescue. Um, so people always assume that it's me. And they're like, oh, you're sweet poor boyfriend like he must just put up with so much he must love you so much and then he'll call me two seconds later and be like okay well I'm gonna go do this and there's a dog in the living room I'm like okay great <laughs> so you are now bringing dogs home as well it keeps us busy this little puppy's nibbling at me sorry <laughs> um, well no uh, so um so what was the question I just for, oh yeah I'm no, sorry how many pets dog is so yeah we I have seven we Lauren has seven um, we do, Cameron and I mostly have pit bulls. Those are like the loves of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lauren has just a hodgepodge. She has Dane, Shepherd, little lab type things, little chihuahuas. Um, and then I have five pit bulls, a little Pomeranian and, um, a, a Chawini. So those are, oh that's gosh. our ferocious pack. And both the two little dogs were from hoarding situations. Cameron got to keep the Chewini and I got to keep the Pomeranian. <laughs> That's what we say. Um, I mean, birds of a feather, right? It's, it's <laughs> great that you guys found each other. And I mean, I'm sure it sounds like you both were kind of on this journey together, walking through that shelter, just crying your eyes out. So that's, it's sweet that you both have such a, a the same passion and dedication towards animal rescue. I mean, that's, I think, what everyone hopes for in a partner. <laughs> Well, I definitely, yeah, I'm lucky that he's in it too, because we definitely would not be able to um, do what we did. Or I wouldn't if he wasn't on board. <laughs> well, so we have a couple of fun questions. So you can pick whatever pet um, you'd like this to apply to, or several of them if you want. If your dog was president, what would be the first thing he did? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about my dog named Truman. And I think that he would um, give everybody probably 15 minutes of every hour to just stand outside and bark because he loves <laughs> nothing more than letting everybody hear his huge, deep bark. You know what? That sounds therapeutic. That sounds yeah, actually pretty I great. <laughs> I can see him drafting some bill with some sort of hoopla like that to make it sound justified. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what's... I mean, there probably are several, but what's one trick your dog taught you? I'm going to let Lauren answer this one. The question is, what is one trick that your dog taught you? Oh. Mm. Any of your dogs. They're treated better than any human. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's a good, that's a hard one. I don't think I'd have seven dogs again. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They're, They're sweet. They, you know what? What they taught me actually is that they are the most deserving of love, and I mean unconditional. Absolutely, yeah. I can't imagine balancing seven different personalities. I mean, <laughs> she really does. Luckily, have I've heard they all. So they have such different 
personalities and they're like very personable. Um, it's always so fun to come over to her house and see her dogs. <laughs> I know. I Well, it's so fun. I mean, Sydney knows that. I think each one of her dogs have such a different personality. It's like they almost like each live their own individual lives. Right. <laughs> one's, easy, one's anxious. One's pretty much a horse. Jumps everywhere. A horse. <laughs> <laughs> or goat, whatever. Yeah, you got to keep them in line. That's for sure. No. <laughs> Speaking of goats, we did, I did foster a goat one time. We adopted out a goat through Saving Hope as well as a pig. We fostered a pig that got adopted out. What else do we have? We've had chickens, I think. Oh, I love that. Rabbits and ducks. So we don't just do dogs and cats. No discrimination, just all of them. (laughs) No discrimination. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. I I love goats. I know they have, talk about personalities. Right. They have very real personalities, but. They really do. That was my first experience, really getting to know one. And they're such a cute animal. I'm determined (laughs) now to rescue a goat that actually needs rescuing. You know, I'm going to have one one day. (laughs) Okay. And then our last question, I know it's, it's, um, a little bit bigger, but if you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? Okay. If you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? Okay. One, one at a time, one day at a time, or together is better. That's it it takes a village is another one that I, I kind of hashtag. Cause I'm like, there's so many moving parts. I, my thing, I think I would do more along the lines of like, empathy I would try to say something like um I don't know always try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes um Mm. we see a lot of things in rescue and and don't get me wrong people are some people are awful and horrible and deserve you know Mm -hmm. have what they did to dogs done to them I will say that um but some people just don't know better some people are doing the best they can everybody I like to believe is doing the absolute best that we can um, so I think I'm going to say a little grace goes a long way. That is oh, my life motto. That's so oh, I, like that. I love both those. I mean, it sounds like you two are such a great duo to be like mm-hmm. joining forces too and like tackling all the, all the issues that maybe arise in your area. I mean, I know we work with, we work with a few different rescues in Texas and I mean, you Ladies are truly like warriors. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's an incredible thank you so thing. Much. Thank you very well, much. Thank you for your your help. Yeah, I can't I can't huge. thank you guys enough. What Kelly has done for us has been uh, truly remarkable. It's like y'all have really helped us, enabled us to save the lives that we do. I mean, I really we could not have saved lives without y'all's help. Truly. I mean, we love missions like yours, and I know right. Sydney is a huge fan of yours. Oh, so. I love Sydney. I'm like always <laughs> texting her, like, please, I hope I'm not annoying you. I know. I was telling her, I was like, we have a big group chat. <laughs> I'm very grateful for everything y'all do. Oh, well, thanks again for taking a little time out of your day. I know you've got to go pick up a dog, and you've got some puppies <laughs> that need vaccines, and, and, and we'll definitely include links for so people if they're interested in adoption I know you are balancing like a, a lot of applications right now um, because of COVID but but we'll send over a link so that maybe some of these other puppies can can find placement or in the very least people can donate their time to, to what you're doing yes that would be incredible we would love that thank you guys so much all right well thanks again 
We loved talking to Lauren and Mackenzie today about how they're impacting their community and saving lives along the way. If you want to learn more about everything they're doing, you can find it on our blog at cuddly.com or check our show notes. And also be sure to follow us on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly, that's C-U-D-D-L-Y, and also rate, like, and subscribe this podcast. Thanks, guys.